0: Amazing, isn't it, to hear stories about God affecting people's lives. And I don't know if you picked up the little thread all the way through that, that everyone that was here this morning being baptized and came to Christ, whether they came to Alpha or started coming to church, was through personal invitation. Now, who started to come to church or uh, came to Alpha through personal invitation? Just by a show of hands. And it shows you that actually... God works through us, and I came to church just over 20 years ago through invitation. Now, I also had an ulterior motive because it was my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, invited me, um, and I wanted to, you know, make progress, and... um, But I came and met with a person of Jesus, and that's what happens still today. 2,000 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, he's still alive, and he's still meeting with people today. And we believe that as followers of Christ, as Christians, we are drawn into a relationship with God. Now, some of the guys this morning talked about how their lives change, and they stop doing certain things, which is, of course, true, because God wants has a plan and a purpose for our life and if he's the creator of the universe he might have some thoughts on how we're to live our lives but this is not he's not here to condemn how you're currently living he's wanting to draw you in to a relationship and Christianity is not about a list of do's and don'ts it's about what he has done for you to be in a relationship with you and we believe that actually God still communicates with us today And you might think, well, that sounds a bit weird. How does he do it? Does he send emails or texts? No, he speaks to us in many different ways. And one of the ways that God has chosen to communicate to his people is through his Bible. And we have been going through a book in the Bible called Ephesians. And I'm just going to give a brief look at what we've been going through today. We've looked at how Christ has saved us, how we were enemies of God, aliens and strangers, but we've been, it said at the beginning of Ephesians, brought near. Through the blood of Christ, and we've looked at recently how God has a plan for marriage and singleness. And Paul, in this letter, so it's a letter written by the apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus, which is now modern day in modern day Turkey. He's saying how the household should live and operate. And just briefly today, I'm going to look at a little bit of uh, what we what we're going through, and it's Ephesians six. Uh, Verses 1 to 4. I don't have the clicker with me, so you're going to have to keep up with me, Alistair. Now, it's Ephesians 6, verse 1 to 4. And it's a shame, actually, that the kids have just gone down. Because the verse is, children, obey your parents. If I say it a bit louder, they might hear me from downstairs. Children, obey your parents, for it is right in the Lord. Honor your father and mother. Oh, by the way, happy Father's Day. Do you notice, by the way, uh, Mother's Day, and now this is, I'm partly responsible for what happens at church, but do you notice on Mother's Day that we have uh, daffodils given out to all the ladies and fathers, you know, you'd be lucky to get a fist bump on the way through the door later on, but happy Father's Day, Um, pardon, donuts, no, there are no donuts, I'm afraid just, we've got food afterwards, let's pretend that's part of the Father's Day celebration, Purely coincidental. Now, it says, uh, "Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment." With a promise that it may go well with you, and you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, if you've got, if you haven't got young children or children, this is still helpful to know and understand what this is about, because families matter to God. And how we relate to one another is important to God. There's not actually a huge amount in the Bible about how to parent, the how-tos and the how-not-tos, and it would be much more helpful if it was, wouldn't it? I'm a parent of three children, and some days I think things are going well, and others, I don't know what's going on. And I can't reason with this. But Paul here is referencing commandments to Israel in Deuteronomy 5 and Exodus 20 and he, he's, he's saying this is so serious that the relationship of parent and child is after marriage the most powerful illustration of a, the loving relationship between God and his people. Children are to honour parents as we are to honour God. These guys today were honouring God as they were being baptised they were also obeying him because the command is to believe and be baptised. Verses 1 to 3 all go together when Paul says in verse 3 that it may go well with you and live long in the land. He's addressing not just the individual but corporately as well. That when there is order and respect within families, there is peace and prosperity. And that there is more peace and happiness when children honour their parents and we are likely to know more joy when that exists. And it isn't just to obey either, but also honour, which is a kind of a loving and tenderness together. It's not just do as I say, it's loving and tender. This isn't written either in an authoritative way. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's actually, Paul is, what Paul is writing into is counterculture, into the culture that he's writing to, where children, and especially girls, had little or no value. Paul doesn't address just sons, but children. Fathers had the right to sell or dispose of their children when they were born. However, Paul is encouraging love within families just like our Heavenly Father hasn't disposed of us when we don't quite meet the grade. And as with parenting, it is with us. The job of the family and the parent is fundamentally to help our children see their own heart and their need for rescue children and parents children should honour their parents even if they're demanding and unfair and parents should care gently for their children even if the children are disobedient and unpleasant children are not commanded to disobey God in obeying their parents and children are not asked to be subservient to domineering parents as an adult child not asked to be subservient to domineering parents this is a special relationship Parent and child relating to one another with thoughtfulness and love. Putting one another's interests above their own, which, if you've had children, you know this can be tricky because it, they find it very difficult to think beyond their own boundaries. That is why grace is required in huge amounts. That's, what I've, that's been my experience so far. I'm sure you're much better parents than I am. But in verse 4 gives some detail, just what is important in child rearing, not provoking your child, teaching them and disciplining them, instructing them in the way of the Lord. And we can provoke our children in lots of ways. I think I've mastered it in the 13 years that I've been a parent, by the way. That can be from either under-parenting or over-parenting. Under-parenting can be by not spending time with your child, not giving clear boundaries, not... Sharing your beliefs with them, overparenting can be constantly watching over them, having too high an expectation of them, trying to live vicariously through them. It's also, I believe, it's unhealthy to have your children as the focus of your family. It is helpful for a child not to have the world revolve around them, despite what they might think. And notice Paul addressing fathers that where the father is present or in single-parent families, mothers give them boundaries and discipline, help them grow up in the ways of the Lord. To teach that what is most important, important, to point them towards the loving, saving, amazing grace of Jesus Christ. That is more important than their education. It is more important than your career We as parents should make sacrifices in work for the sake of our children. Nothing is more important than praying with your child, reading with your child, getting to know their heart and point it Godward. Pray for your kids. Pray for other people's kids. If you don't have any or yours have grown up, pray for the children that we have here. I'm so grateful for the people in church that take an interest in my children and pray for them and ask after them. And if you want your kids to follow God, there is no one way that will 100% work, because it is by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. But it will help your kids to go to church, stay at church, show up, show your kids that church is really important. It is actually statistically proven... if you regularly attend, your children are more likely, it's not a guarantee, to follow Christ in later life. It is more effective as well to get them to involved in church, serving in some way. Jesus has been serving in kids' work since he was seven months old. He had the microphone, believe it or not. No, he didn't. He's been serving in kids' work since he was eleven. Have other believers interested in them. Get other believers involved in their lives and be praying for them. Send them on summer camps. Like Jeeves talked about this morning, the New Day Youth Festival has changed literally thousands of young people's lives over the years. And it takes the gospel to raise kids. So talk about God's forgiving grace, not just about God's laws. And studies have shown, actually, that parents who instruct their children, give them a moral guide and a belief system, are less likely, the children are less likely to be frustrated than those who say, I'm going to let them make their own choice. I'm not going to impose my beliefs on them. I think that is actually abdication of responsibility. Take the lead in the home. If we do not disciple our kids... There is a world out there that is ready and willing to disciple them for us. But without this, they will feel adrift without the anchor of Jesus. And we'll try and find their identity in all sorts of other ways. And we sadly live in a world where sometimes even parents are afraid to tell their children who they are and what they are and for thousands of years we've had been shaped by good and bad by those around us by the family unit or those closest to us telling us who and what we are my children will reach reach certain ages and they'll sometimes i have to explain to them this type of behavior is not appropriate anymore but without clear guidance and direction our kids will be all at sea and we have an anchor for our soul and his name is Jesus. And he wants a relationship with our kids and he wants a relationship with you. And really, just a few pointers. If we could look at the next slide. For parents and kids, that we should create a context of grace, love, respect and encouragement for our children. Speak the truth in love. Try and eat together as much as possible. Have at least one spiritual experience during the week, whether it's reading the Bible, praying with them, conversations. Serve together in church. We will sometimes be on welcome as a family, and it's a real joy to do it. Most importantly, pray. Pray for them. Pray for their salvation. Pray for their future. Pray for their future spouses. I will often pray for my girls to marry a godly man who loves Jesus more than he loves them. And then that will go well. And I pray for my son that he will meet a strong, godly woman. And remember, in all of this, you are not the Holy Spirit. Only he can convict and save your child. Only Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can do this. Point them towards the anchor, Jesus. Because they will drift without. And maybe today you are feeling adrift right now. Maybe you are not sure what direction your life is taking or where life is taking you. Maybe you're not sure about what all this has been about this morning. It might be weird. This could be your first experience in a church like this. Well, these people have something to celebrate. They have found the reality of the risen Jesus. That Jesus was a real person, not just a fairy story. That's what I used to think. But he lived and breathed and walked the earth 2,000 years ago. He lived the perfect life. He never sinned. He came to be a substitute. Now, if you were playing football yesterday in the heat, you would have been glad for a substitute to come on and take your place. He came to take our place for the punishment we deserve because it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Meaning everyone has turned their back on God. Wanting to be our own God. And this created a huge gap between God and man. But Jesus comes to pay the price. like a judge who who offers the sentence but comes round and pays the um, sentence for us. In the book of Romans, written also by Paul, he says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And this wage means how we, just like we earn money for working, death from a holy God is our wage for sinning. Because before a holy God, sin, a bit of an old fashioned word these days, is that serious because he is holy. And death means being spiritually dead to him in this life, and eternally dead to God in a living hell when we die. That's the reality of what we're facing. An eternal life. God has a gift for us of eternal life. That is the exact opposite of death. It means becoming alive to God in this life and living with God for all eternity. Eternal life is a gift. Now, can you earn a gift? No, you can't. This gift cannot be earned through moral living. This is not do this, live like this, and God will let you enter into heaven. That's not what it's about. It can only be gratefully received as a free gift in Christ Jesus. And this is the key part, okay? Eternal life comes in the package of Christ Jesus. And if you want to receive eternal life, you must receive Jesus. That is why sometimes people talk about receiving Jesus. Eternal life comes in Christ Jesus because eternal life is only possible through the forgiveness of sin. And forgiveness of sin is only possible by gratefully believing that Jesus took your place and died for your sin. Because of our sin... We must die. But on the cross, Jesus died as your substitute. He took your wage of death. If you gratefully believe that and repent of your sin, forgiveness and eternal life is yours. Now Jesus, we read in the, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, he would often meet with people and call them out and really how they were living their lives. He met, there's a story of the woman at the well who'd had many husbands. And when we're met with a holy God, we have to look at the way that we live our lives. And when we're met with a person of Jesus, the very person of God, God Emmanuel, meaning God with us, we have to ask those questions. Are you who you say you are? woman that he met went into the village and said to to the people come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done and the woman at the well Jesus had the information and the knowledge to condemn her but he used it to win her and these people today have met a person not a religion Jesus wants to know them and he wants to know you today he has a free gift on offer. And we have a choice whether we take that and receive that. It's all about Jesus. It's all about knowing him, who he is, who God is. He's a father to the fatherless. That's who he is. He's a defender of the widows. That's who he is. He, God sets the lonely into families. That's who he is. God makes the home for the homeless. That's who he is. And he leads forth prisoners... We're singing. And you might feel like this morning you are in a prison, trapped in your own life, not knowing how to get out, but the choice is that Jesus is offering you a key into freedom. It says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. That's what these guys have. They have freedom, they have eternal life, they have the joy of knowing God in this life. And he's calling you today, if you haven't received Jesus, you too can today accept that free gift that is on offer and we're going to stand and we're going to pray I told you I'd try and be brief that is brief for me (laughs) now you can ask God into your life this is the beginning by the way just saying this prayer doesn't necessarily just make you a Christian eternal life right I'll carry on Actually, this is the beginning of you saying, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And then turn, turning our back on our old life. It's not necessarily just stopping and following these lists. I hope that's got through today, that it's not about lists of do's and don'ts. But I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And it really is just you beginning this relationship with Jesus. Jesus. And you can just pray these words after me if you want, just in the quietness of your own heart. Jesus, thank you that you died for me on the cross. I now repent, I now turn my back on my old life. And I'm sorry. Or the way that I have lived up until this point maybe you just want to think about this. maybe some things in your life right now you just want to ask God for forgiveness for just take a moment to do that now Jesus will you come now and take first place in my life And help me follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It is as simple as that. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love to talk to you afterwards. I'm just going to be hanging around, standing in front of the fan afterwards. Um, But that's it. That draws our service to a close. Jesus, is there anything we need to just say? If you want to have tea and coffee, can I encourage as many of you, if you're not helping... Get tables out to go outside. There's no storms, thankfully. There was uh, predicted weather thunderstorms today. Please all go outside, enjoy the weather, and then we can set up, uh, put the chairs away, and get the tables out. But please stick around if you're a visitor.